What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, August 21st, 2022, and this week's episode, Real Life Rocky. We'll be talking about the amazing victory by Leon Edwards against Kamaru Usman last night at UFC 278, as well as all of the marquee action. What's next for Jose Aldo, Marab Devalishvili, Paulo Costa, and of course, we bid adieu officially, it seems for the last time, to Luke Rockhold inside the cage. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. The PFL finals are set for later this year. And coming up this weekend, One Championship makes their debut on Amazon Prime Video. So we'll talk about what to expect from the latest chapter in the promotion from Asia. And really, we'll just cap it off. Maybe a little bit of bare knuckle, you know, a little bit of gossip. I think they're fans with a bit of uh, some questions for the way this all played out, Natalie. So once again, my name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, who I know has plenty to discuss. <laughs> I do. I do, Double G. I, uh, I mean, what a, a crazy, bloody, just left field, out of the blue night we had last night uh it was pretty darn exciting and i can't wait to dig into it with you man there was like a decent amount of carnage wasn't there just like you know don't get me wrong there's sometimes it's electric sometimes it's good but every now and then you just need a like like nate landwehr last week with onama yeah it's like you know this was just some healthy carnage i gotta say <laughs> I, I was with it um let's talk with i mean where do we begin with this main event i mean First off, I gotta say, that finish really does, I feel like it's that kind of moment that makes fans, it makes new fans for life, it makes you really just like, like when you see Tom Brady come back from three quarters down to win the Super Bowl and it's like, oh my goodness, or NBA Finals, LeBron James freaking down 3-1, somehow wills his team past the best team in the NBA, Steph Curry and them, and you know, like, okay, all of those are different, but in MMA, to have all of those in a 25-minute match, you know, for all the marbles, it's really something. Um, uh, Look, so Leon Edwards starts great. I think out of more surprise than anything else, gets on top of Usman, takes the back, has him in trouble, and suddenly we're thinking, oh, it might be this kind of night. Kamaru Usman starts going to work, just... um stays in the face of Leon Edwards, works the body, gets him down, starts getting him down easier as that fifth round is winding down. I think everyone, you know, you could almost hear like all the keyboards working, like everyone was getting ready, like, hey, you know, like this is, this is why he's the best, you know, this is why it's this and that, this is the difference, this is what makes him You know, is he the best since GSP? Is he better than GSP? Should we be talking about him like we're talking about Anderson Silva, John Jones? He's about to tie Anderson's record. You know, all the reporters were like, okay, I know what my article is about to be. You know, Kamaru Usman rolls on after early adversity. And then Leon fakes the, you know, fakes with the punch, goes high with the kick. Kamaru Usman leans the wrong way and holy guacamole one shot didn't need the follow-up gets the job done leon edwards is the new welterweight champion what are your thoughts 
Oh man, it was a beautiful moment. It's it's the buzzer beater that that every kid plays at home uh, in the park in the front yard when when you know with their with their friends whatever the sport is like you say it's that buzzer beater moment where you just save the day and win the game and you're right you rarely see that in MMA I mean uh, Yair Rodriguez Korean Zombie okay but this is for all the marvels right the big stakes the biggest stakes because not only is it for a belt but it's to take the belts away from a guy who's been blitzing through everybody in the division. And you're an underdog, and you've had this really tumultuous past couple of years. And I was doing what everybody else was doing. You know, D- DC's talking about, we were writing his obituary, man. And I was thinking about, okay, well, what am I going to say tomorrow on uh, the podcast with uh, Double G? I'm going to say, well, you know, Leon Edwards was just too timid. He didn't have a killer instinct. Ba-bam! Right? <laughs> and then it's just like, holy shit. Excuse my language. Holy moly. It was such an awesome moment, man. Yeah, you can't write that. It's it truly is the Rocky, Rocky Four or Rocky One, I guess, but he doesn't win in Rocky One. <laughs> I mean, it's a Rocky moment, right? It's just they're playing the music. He's sitting on the cake. It's incredible. It's so incredible that you don't even want to think about what the rematch is going to look like, the rubber match, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, Kamaru's not going to mess around. What happened, I think, if everyone's already had time to digest and dissect, I think Kamara was just taking it easy. He thought he had it in the bag, and he did, and uh, wasn't worried about keeping his defenses sharp. Now, he did get faked by that left, but I think instead of sticking to the cage clinch game, he thought he could bang with him a little bit because he had success at the end of the fourth round. Trevor Whitman tells him to go ahead and do that. And, you know, he didn't totally follow uh, uh, Whitman's advice. He had Leon Edwards up against the cage at some point. Herb Dean separates them. What would have happened if Herb Dean, Herb Dean hadn't separated them, right? We don't know. But about a minute passes after that separation before this KO. So there was plenty of time for Kamaro, if he really wanted to, to get Leon Edwards back against the cage. But he didn't want to, and he paid the ultimate price. Beautiful moment for Leon Edwards, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see how soon they book the rubber match. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like, let's say like it is, Kamaru is fighting fantastic. I mean, I, yeah. I do think Leon Edwards, even in that second round when Kamaru was starting to kind of retake momentum after the first, Leon Edwards was staying in there. Leon Edwards, I think everyone could see, was on the feet. I think he has... I know people, you get hyped up about Masvidal and the flying knee and all this other stuff. Leon Edwards, I would argue, has the best striking. I think that it's a, right now it's a travesty that he never got to test the skills on the feet with a guy like Wonderboy Thompson, for example, because he was, he's kind of similar to Adesanya. His ability to control the distance, his ability to do those high level moves on the feet. And yes, like, let's be honest, you know, Kamaru Usman could never make the same combination look as clean. But look, it's a, it's not just striking, it's MMA. And Kamaru's set of skills and attributes, he's figured out the, you know, the formula to make him work. Uh, Kamaru was doing great. Just the wrestling and I think what we all predicted, the wrestling is a big factor. 
If he could get in the face, he's got the physicality, and if he could wrestle, it starts to neutralize that big weapon on the feet of all those skills of Leon Edwards. Um, and it is what it is. Now, obviously, look, we're going to digest it. It's going to be the... Now it's the honeymoon for Leon Edwards right now, right? And I expect yeah. it to be for the next few months. When we do start dissecting it, we're going to be like, hey, what's more likely to happen? Kamaru gets some, if not all of those takedowns again when they finally meet again? As opposed to, can Leon Edwards pull victory from the jaws of defeat again after he was, you know, similar to the Nate Diaz fight? He was kind of being routed before he wasn't, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Or he was in, in route to a cruise control until it wasn't. We're going to talk about all that. Certainly the mental factor. If they don't fight at altitude again, the lack of al- that the altitude being a contributing factor out there in the cage, which I know a bunch of people, you know, were they affected, weren't they? I mean, Dana White said it best. There's always something, but, you know, that's part of being a professional. you got to prepare for it. Uh, plain and simple, just... Cinderella story for Rocky Edwards. You spelled it out a very tumultuous time. I know they would love London. I think the UFC could make that happen. I really got to say, don't... Look, a lot of stuff could happen. Don't necessarily rule out another United States fight. Las Vegas, you know. You could put it anywhere and it'll be a great bolster to whatever card. You know, you could... It's not going to happen this fast, but imagine if they are like the co-main event to Glover Jiri 3 in December. You wouldn't complain. It's like, oh, freaking two good fights for the for one night. Let's yeah. do it. So they could go anywhere. I do believe that UFC, like now it's the question like, hey, you know, can you line up all these pieces? For example, can you get Darren Till, Patty Pimblett, Molly, maybe Tom Aspinall returns? They all topped off by Leon versus Usman 3. Okay, we'll see. Um, I do want to throw this curveball at you. Let's say for whatever reason, it takes some time for Usman to get back. Leon Edwards looks like he's pretty good. Rest up a couple months. If he really needs to, he could get back at it. He won't, but, you know, let's say this. He could. If it's not Usman, who would you say is next man up at welterweight? Oh. It's not Usman. Anything. Okay, hey, crazier things have happened, right? Yeah, I'm checking the rankings here. Um, I mean, Colby. Hunt. I know. I, I know who we're thinking of. Obviously, it's the big bad wolf over there. But you know, I feel like this. And I'll say this ironically, even though he's the one more. I'll put it this way: like he's more. He's got less tum- tumultuous times in his. Uh, legal troubles i feel like colby's the one who's been quiet well whereas jorge masvidal obviously he's doing what you're supposed to say hey you know you finally want to get your three-piece in a soda back it's like oh well of course you know but i feel like you can't sleep no, on colby yeah hamzad is out there and then not for nothing the Bilal muhammad sean brady winner in october but yeah if not usman yeah if not Usman, I feel like you gotta go um, Colby just because stylistically. Well, mm, I don't. Actually, no. I, I I'm gonna take that back. I think they'll go Hamza for the simple reason that okay, 
Usman gets the winner, right? I think most people would agree mm-hmm. on this. Okay, you could run it back with Edwards again, or you get the fight everyone thought, Hamzat versus Usman. Yeah, actually, that works out. That's good math right there. Yeah. Because um, I think that, because... let's say you were to run Colby Edwards and Colby were to beat Leon, what are we going to do? You know, Usman, Colby 3? Yeah, uh, no, you're right. Yeah. Hamzat is the, the new, um, you know, uh, data point here in this equation or, or number in this equation. And so he's the one that we're going to use to decide the next couple of moves. And, and yeah, I like the way you I like the way you put that. This might be, you know, counting the chickens before they hatch. And for those who are going to say that and like, dude, did you not just see what the underdog did on Saturday? Uh, Leon mm-hmm. Edwards hadn't lost in 10 fights. Watch Nate Diaz's um, most recent fights. Go watch Hamzat. You tell me what you think is going to happen. Yeah, I know. Let me tell you uh. what is favored to happen. Okay. Anyway. Now, could anything happen? Obviously, look what just happened. But I think I'll stand by this comment come about three weeks or so and counting before we get there. Yeah. yeah. There's more weight and and predicting Hamzat, Hamzat excuse me way, uh, winning easily over Nate than that you know Leon uh, the surprise victory come from behind victory over Kamaru that's they're more evenly matched no offense to Nate Diaz but he's just not been performing well as well lately so yeah <laughs> uh, final question what was what would you say is maybe more dramatic? And maybe I'm cheating because I actually remember watching the other one live. Leon Edwards getting, I believe it was in the final minute, this head kick knockout. Or Anderson Silva's fifth round Jaws from Defeat sub with Chael Sonnen. Oh, I mean, whenever you have Anderson Silva in any question of which one was better, um, it's hard not to pick Silva. Because there was real beef there you know yeah and um i think it was just a, a it was just a bigger deal but it feels so far away from us now um and this is so fresh and kamaru is blazing this new trail about to beat the silver record like or tie the record i still think silva's is the bigger deal but in this Whatever Leon does, how his career shakes out will help determine, you know, maybe per- perhaps elevate this moment higher than it already is. If he ends up being a, you know, friggin' long reigning champion, then it's going to be like, oh my God, remember that time, the way he got the belt? Um, if it if it becomes a one and done, okay, then it's just a great moment. So I think Silva still wins for now. I'll give you that. Yeah, I think for one, you also have two different things. He had a dominant champion come back to win it as opposed to underdog challenger who was able to get it done you mentioned the heat between the two i think that's a very big factor obviously you know kamaru and anderson put them on the same level let's be honest it's very you're talking about a guy you know how many fighters cannot break the 13 fight win streak let me tell you a few of them max holloway demetrius johnson george st pierre habib um do are those scrubs to you no, it should tell you just how hard it is to freaking get to 13. Kamaru made it to 15. I'll say it. He was on his way to 16. It is what it is. But seriously, you know, this is, it's not easy to do. 
Um, that being said, Leon Edwards gets the emphatic points by far. Like, yes, the, like that triangle. Sometimes I watch it back and I see, like the clip comes up every year, right? On this day in UFC history and all that, Twitter and Instagram. Sometimes that triangle feels a little sus, right? Was he really <laughs> out? Was he just panicking? You know, okay. <laughs> Chelsea Sonnen has never taken it back, but it is what it is. Um, Leon Edwards put that man down. I got, I'm, oh my he, gosh. he gets the style points. You get what I'm saying? I get you for sure. Yeah. It was a baseball bat to the face. I mean, yeah, yeah that out of nowhere. Oh, and th- let's Dude. talk about hey in the fifth round that corner work. Oh my, that's freaking like a movie. It was beautiful. As yeah, a broadcast, it, really was. it was great in real time. As a broadcast, those last five minutes are just absolutely beautiful theater so we could talk all day about it but we got a lot of stuff going on just from saturday uh paulo costa luke rockhold one of the most entertaining sloppy fights i think we've been treated to um paulo costa has never been a very elegant striker i'll use that adjective and luke rockhold it's very clear this was in 2015 and the way he was tearing dudes up to get to the middleweight title. Um, after a couple minutes, you know, obviously Costa breaks Luke's nose. Um, both of them are just a ridiculous amount of tired, hands on their knees, taking deep breaths. Both of them are landing ridiculously open shots just because they're both tired. They're not defending much anymore. Um, it was sloppy. It, like I said, it was a nice, healthy amount of carnage. Um, I, I, I do. We will get to Luke Rockhold rubbing his blood on Costa, because I feel like that could be its own segment. But um, just talk to me. Reaction to this fight, and then of course we'll talk the future. You know, it was actually to me it was a beautiful thing watching Luke Rockhold push and push and push and push. You know. Leading up to the fight, after three years' absence, he's just speaking his mind, uh, to put it mildly. And watching the embeddeds, I wasn't sure what to make of his demeanor. I couldn't tell if he was just maybe nervous, uncomfortable with the cameras, and, and like just being a little bit socially awkward. It just felt very forced when it was embedded content anyway. And, you know, but still I'm thinking, okay, like, this is Luke Rockhold. He still has the physique. The technique is there. Let's see what happens. When he comes out with that compression sleeve sock thing, you know, to the fight, I was like, oh, Lord, (laughs) this is not good. I've never seen anyone wear that. I didn't know it was – I wouldn't have figured it was allowed. Like, I've seen the ankle sock, the knee brace, or even the shin guard – the shins – sleeve he had one and it kept rolling down the last time he fought this you know get up was was pretty wild but i guess it got approved anyway so i'm worried there from the start but he's throwing kicks you know he's landing a little bit weirdly on that foot yeah he gets tired pretty fast he gets his nose broken pretty fast but the man never quit it was you know uh, Lando Venata, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje. It was like that, except just levels uh, of higher fatigue-wise. Like, he was flopping around. 
he had nothing in the gas tank, but he was just full of freaking savage spirit and he wouldn't quit. I was really impressed with that. Just trying to put yourself there, being so exhausted that you have nothing but one punch, one kick at a time. But when he landed, dude, he landed with accuracy and with power every time, even though he was flopping around in there. He had like three body kicks in a row. Every time he punched Paulo Costa, he hurt him. He just didn't have enough in the tank to finish him. It was heart-wrenching to watch. But at the end of it, it's just like, dude, we just saw a savage, a warrior just go out, you know, out there, fall on his sword, put it all out there, give it his all, and like you can't not clap, you know, slow clap to fast clap on your feet for Luke Rockle. That's how I feel. No, that's very fair. Just um, look, uh, just the heart shown from him. Uh, Paulo Costa had the performance he needed. Um, he had to make weight. He had to show up. He had to show out. I don't care if he lost. I don't. He had to go out on his sword, win or lose. Cause otherwise, you know, what's next for him? What you know? I believe that was the last fight on his UFC contract. And he said the same thing. Yeah, UFC is great. It's made me a star, but who knows what the future holds, you know? I know that there's options out there, especially... Look, he's down emphatically against Adesanya. And really, the only guy out there, I mean... Um, oh my gosh. Did Jared Cannonier get booked? I feel like he did, right? Cannonier, Jack Hermanson? Oh my god, let me look this up. I'm 90% sure they made that fight. Tell me. Yeah, no, Jared Cannonier, Sean Strickland. Okay. Okay. Um, And I know Jack Romanson has a fight. I believe Jack Romanson and Derek Brunson. So, I mean, look, uh, I will say who's next for him? Everybody's booked. I would say that if Robert Whitaker beats Marvin Vittori, maybe Whitaker, but we're not about to run it back with Vittori anytime soon. So, there are options for him. And, however, that's obviously very dependent on what's next for him in the UFC. If a Bellator were to throw him a lot of money, if a PFL and tell him, hey, you can move up to light heavyweight for a million bucks, throws a lot of money, who knows? Also, we'll talk about it in a minute. PFL pay-per-view, you know, there's options for Paulo Costa. Some people threw out Jake Paul. I'm not going to say all that. We all know there's another Brazilian... USC fighter, or at least former USC fighter, who we want to see handle Jake Paul, but that's a story for another podcast. Um, so yeah, there's options for him. In terms of Rockhold, I will say, look, um, and I guess now you know he he puts his gloves down, he calls it a day. A great way you could tell he went out giving it everything, and I I don't think you could really you know. Not do anything but respect the guy who did that, regardless if you were a fan of, you know, sometimes he would carry himself a certain way in the media. I don't know why. I I do believe he's a perfectly nice guy. It just sometimes seemed like he wanted to play it like he was too cool for school. Um, But man, he was a very talented fighter, very athletically gifted, tall, long, lean, explosive. Uh, I'm glad we saw those kicks again because I think people forget how dangerous his kicks were. I think I talked about in the breakdown that if he's got them, there's such a dangerous weapon in his arsenal. Um, His grappling when he could get on top of you like he did in route to the title. um, 
just his ability to maintain the distance using all of his attributes. He was a fun guy to watch, and I think everything just... Time, injuries... Um, I think if you listen to his other stuff outside of his... Uh, you know, his differences that he had with the UFC that he took public, the personal turmoil in his life. I think he just had a lot of factors that kind of just got in the way of him maintaining that level of where he was in 2015 when he dominated Chris Weidman for the belt. And just pretty much look, I mean, you go out like that, you go out with your head held high. I don't care that you didn't get the W. So, you know, congrats, Luke. It was quite the ride. Yeah, man, it, it it really was, and you know, you got Joe Rogan tearing up there, and Luke Rockhold's just exhausted and emotional and saying, I, I, "I'm old," and that's it. You know, the the last moments of that fight were one of my favorites. You know, he's mounted. I think he's mounted, or at least he's on his back. He muscles. He uses every last out, every last ounce of the muscle he has left, the strength he has left. To, to force himself on top of <laughs> Paulo Costa and proceeds to rub his blood all over Bruh. Paulo Costa's face, man. I started cracking up. I was screaming and laughing. My husband was too. We were just like, oh, my God, he's doing it. To me, it was the perfect middle finger to Paulo Costa, to, you know, in, in some ways, UFC, Dana White, like, just take my blood and take this savagery and rub it in your face. I freaking loved it. I, I thought it. it was great. I mean, he was pulling, just blood, blood was pulling in his mouth. Um, you know, Paulo Costa, I think, later said he thought it was disgusting and very weird. But you know what? I would say too bad because it was awesome. I got to say, I get it. You freaking do the, what? what is it, Calvin Klein or whatever? Nope. Polo, Polo. Uh, ads, whatever. Man, uh, that, that, he was kind of reminded, yo, yo, I'm still a fighter's fighter. Like, this is still my jam. Like, like when BJ Penn would lick the blood off the gloves, he yes. was, he was yes. having that kind of moment. Like, only those guys that really live for that kind of carnage, you know, you know, there's less of them now, which I think that's fair to say, but... You know, I think Luke Rockhold, he was kind of exercising those demons. Like, let's be honest, at some, probably when Paolo connected and broke the nose, he knew this was it. Maybe even before that, maybe even when he signed the fight, he knew it was going to be it. But, you know, look, he was kind of letting, you know, you've seen, you're a big Rocky fan. That The Rocky, literally Rocky Balboa, technically Rocky Six. He's like, look, everything you got to get out. You got to do it tonight. I think yeah. you can't argue that Rockhold didn't get everything out, to, you know, on fight night. But I'm going to use this to segue because he had a lot of things to say this week. And um, look, uh, I know there's another guy who has a really long show on Mondays and Wednesdays that likes to really <laughs> get into the business of the UFC. I mean, we could, but that's not always the most fun. For you and me, I think we're we can agree on that. Even though sometimes sure. it's very obvious that there's something going on. Um, what I do want to point out, though, Luke Rockhold has a, I'll call it a top ten media media scrum moment. I don't want to say media day because those have evolved from one on ones to these social 
the socially distanced, um, you know, product that we have in recent years. However, he just goes off on relatively new outlet, new reporter. I know he is OG Shawnee Mac. He kind of, you know, he didn't shy away from saying it was him. Uh, if you don't know, those are the guys hired by the Nelk Boys who um, crashed my very highly rated UFC Embedded episode in Abu Dhabi, but I'll let that go. Um, look, quite plain and simple. Um, we know that Dana is cool with the Nelk Boys. He's given them, a or at least one of them, a quarter of a million dollars for their birthday. Nelk Boys have expanded. They still do their podcast and their thing. But they've expanded so much now they have like a whole separate MMA channel, which is the full send, which mm. um, which is to say, I believe it means going all in. I need a Generation Z person to explain it to me again. I've only heard it once. Um, they explained it to me and I, you know, anytime I have to be told what an influencer means when they say something, I just feel very old and it hurts. But besides that, look, um... Luke Rockhold, if you haven't seen the clip, he calls out this reporter saying that, hey, you brought out a luchador mask in front of Chito Vera. And essentially, he accused him of saying, you know, you acting like he's Mexican. Do your homework. He's Ecuadorian. Um, OG does kind of respond to say, hey, like, it wasn't to call him Mexican. I just thought it would be a cool thing. And I took it you know i brought it up with his manager and blah 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 i have seen the clip he never does say that um what's his name you know that he never says that chito vera is mexican i don't mean to say like who's like who did he talk to but he never he never goes where it seemed like rockhold was accusing him of but it didn't stop rockhold from really you know like like the zombie land tried to double tap. Like he took the shot, he cocked the gun, he sh tried to shoot him again. That's what he was doing out there on media day. And what's your reaction to all this? Uh, it was pretty awesome. I, I didn't see the original clip that Rockhold is referencing, but I didn't need to. I could tell. He's right. You know, oh, you can say I didn't mention the word Mexican, but everybody knows what those masks are. They're Mexi Mexican luchador masks. And if you're taking one to a Caucasian person, yeah, it's funny. But if you're taking one to someone from Ecuador, it's either offensive or it's weird or it's dumb. And so Rockhold, after this guy clarifies, he's like, okay, we'll just do your homework then. Because well, I think what he was trying to say is like, you came off as being insensitive, ignorant, you know, pick your adjective. And furthermore, what I liked about it was that you know, I don't know if Rockhold felt bad, but he was like, "Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat you up anymore about this." But still, the culture that you're creating, social culture with your content, sucks. And that was ultimately the 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 bash the bash there that he was the nail that he the point that he was trying to nail home. Like you're just creating silly content that isn't propelling, isn't isn't you know motivating isn't doing anything for your generation so just be more elegant be more intelligent and and so i appreciated that you know luke rockhold was talking to the media i don't know have you it's like it was like the last day of school you know senior 
last day oh, of school yeah, he's just and you like got nothing letting to it all hang out yeah <laughs> i mean or like if you're you know the last day at a job and you're like you just cuss out the boss and he just had that energy and i love it because i've been there before we all have um so i could totally feel where he was coming from um and and i'm all for it you know unfortunately he's done with mma and so we're not going to be able to see him talk about the sport that we love right in the middle of it, in the eye of the storm, like he did this week. But I hope that he finds a way to let his voice be heard more um, regarding MMA in some other ways. You know, everyone's got a podcast and a channel, and and I'm not saying it in a bad way. And so, but I mean, you know, maybe he can come up with a, a, a more unique way of putting his voice out there. Uh, maybe, you know, DCRC, get on Helwani, something, a segment that he could have of his own where it's called like a uh, Luke's Ranch or something. I don't know. I'm trying to <laughs> be his manager now. <laughs> but I think he's like, you know, like Abe Simpson, you know, like just pointing his finger and yelling, but he's actually saying sensible things. I want to hear more of what he has to say. And hopefully coming off a performance like he has just now with the savagery, this no quit attitude, true warrior hopefully that will inspire people motivate people to really listen to him because this is a guy who's been there and who's put it all on the line so anyway all that is to say luke rockhold can have a bigger impact in the world of mma if he wants to you know it's just unfortunate that luke has never been one of the media guys he's very you know let me work out, fight, and live my life, you know. I don't, yeah. he doesn't like to talk too much, I've noticed. But, for example, someone needs to be on a podcast with Habib and call it Let's Talk Now. You know what I mean? <laughs> this, it is a travesty that this does not exist in some form somewhere. But I digress. <laughs> um, look, I, I can't hate on the Nelk Boys. They are, you know, they have cracked the code of the internet. And I think that that's the key to making money in 2022 outside of, you know, being part of a multi-billion corporation anymore. So, I, I, you know, I can't hate on OG and all that. I do think that it was, I think it was two people who on two different frequencies and one just took offense. Uh, it, there was just a lot lost in translation, I think. Um, I, I think that when I watched the clip back, it's like, hmm. And from what I've heard, um, the reporter in question was hanging out with Cheeto. And I, I was told it looked like they were cool and taking pictures and all that. So I'm like, oh, well, huh. you know, what's hey, Cheeto? Here's the thing. Cheeto's not going to throw the reporter under the bus because, you know, the no. Dana White thing. But then he's not going to call out his guy Luke either. So it's like, well, of course not. So who's right or wrong? Uh, we may never know. Oh, well. Um, talking about the Bantamweights with Chito Vera, uh, Mirab Devalishvili, I'm going to make this just very quick. Very lather, rinse, repeat. I think the biggest issue I had with this whole fight, Jose Aldo's lack of um, urgency. And I yeah. get it. He didn't feel like he was in trouble. He never felt like he was hurt. Fair. However, when you're in the middle of the second round, the first round is close. And he's sitting there content, you know, he's trying to give the yawn. The ref is not separating them. And I said this leading up to the fight. I did our show. 
the cage side press show i did another show on youtube i feel like i brought it up all three times marab if he doesn't get the takedown he will stick to him to burn the clock because if you are not if aldo is not getting his offense off all that is doing is keeping him from winning the fight you are losing points it's like a football team with great defense what does it do it keeps the opposing quarterback off of the field you can't score because you guys are always you know stuck you're always dealing with us we're running the clock that is exactly what Marab did it wasn't pretty it's not gonna go down like Jiri and Glover and all of this other stuff but he did exactly what he had to do stuck to the basics Kept trying for takedowns. To Aldo's credit, he never got taken down. But the spurts of offense came too infrequently. Never with enough impact to change the fight. That, um... You know, he looked like he was slightly surprised he lost. He shouldn't have been. And, you know, maybe... Once again, it's easy for me to say, hey... Like, you should have done this or that. Obviously not, but... I do think, as an observer, it was very clear that something had to change if he was going to win the fight. And I just never got that impression that he was pushing to make that change happen as it started getting away from him, especially in the third round. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, not much more to add. You, you nailed it. Um, I was surprised by Jose Aldo. Two things. The way he was reacting when he was being held against the clinch, the yawning, and then he, he ate a shoulder check, a shoulder to the <laughs> to the teeth right after he did that. He was eating a lot of knees to the thigh and sort of trying to blow them off. But, you know, that has to add up over time and really hurt. And then secondly, I was surprised that he was surprised that he lost too. I'm with you there. So he just didn't do enough. And it's not usually the, you know, the angle that Jose Aldo takes. Like that's, he's not usually making, having reactions in the cage. I was surprised that he was, being so open with his feelings um but i guess he really felt like like he was winning and he really felt like this, his opponent wasn't giving him any thing to work with or work against so in any case um it was a clear win for for marab in my eyes too and jose aldo not out by a long shot still completely in the mix looks great still super fast still really skilled talented and all that good stuff so but he now only a... has one fight left on his ufc contract oh and i will say this right now i'm trying to tell as many people publicly because i wasn't in utah i felt like nobody asked him or dana what is jose aldo about to reach his last fight and nobody's even talking about it because i think people forgot oh he looks great he might be about to call it a day, and because he did, doesn't bring it up, people aren't doing the math on it. Mm. Sorry, did I cut you off? I just no, really not felt at all. like I had to get it out. No, you didn't. You didn't, actually. And that is a, a, d- interesting. Now I'm thinking, like, if he doesn't stay with the UFC, where the heck would he go? He has said what? either boxing or call it a day. He's been doing this since he was about 19. Yeah. As a boxing? pro, I mean. I would do boxing because he's, you know, he's been doing a lot of it lately with the Marines or the Navy or whoever in Brazil, and he's, 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 you know, he's got a good skill set there, good hands. But also, what about one championship? You know, he probably doesn't want to be 
flying to Singapore all the time, but they'd probably pay him so much money. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on what he really wants to do. I believe he's made his money. I mean, you know he's a big deal in Brazil. Yeah. Like, it's just... I don't know. Uh, look, uh, I will say he's got to be... Uh, I think he's a ringer for the... Announce, they announced they're going to Rio, Brazil in uh, January. you got to mm-hmm. think he'll be on there. Um, especially coming off of this fight, it doesn't look like he took serious damage. So I'm sure UFC come October, they'll probably text him and be like, Hey, do you want to do Brazil? I'm sure he'll say yes. Um, and we'll talk about the future then when we get there. I'm sure he'll spill the beans too. Um, in terms of Marab... Uh, I mean, I hate to say this, but we've now entered sit-and-wait territory. It As soon as someone wins or loses between Sterling and Dillashaw, we're going to get there. So, I mean, I hate to say this, but every time we think, oh, well, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose, we get a freaking draw in, like, a title <laughs> fight, and it's like, are you kidding? You know. Uh, look, anything, you know, obviously, if it's Sterling, will Sterling move? Sterling doesn't move. Is Marab going to go down? Does Cheeto come into play? Does Henry Cejudo come into play? Uh, Sean O'Malley, Peter Yan. We've already talked about it. I think those are the front runners. Um, for anything, if if Sean O'Malley wins, he can fight Aljo, TJ, Cheeto, Marab, Henry, and I swear all of those fights make sense. All of those, I'd even argue, are perfect. Like they sell pretty well at this stage of the game. So I think that that's it. I think that um. Obviously, if Peter Jan wins, then we're talking about, okay, who's where, who's available, um, who takes the fight and negotiates it easier for UFC. There's a lot of stuff, so we'll figure all that out in about two months, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Natalie, big night for the UK because of Leon, also PFL. Uh, very Look, if you didn't see it, Brendan Loughnane and Chris Wade had a fun fight. Brendan, at home in front of the, his English fans, uh, got the job done. He's in the final. Kayla Harrison, first round finish. She's in the final. Um, not, I guess, look, uh, not to beat the dead horse, but we know a lot of the people we expected, you know, to probably be in the playoffs didn't even make it. Clay Collard, yeah. Cooper, etc. Um, just a quick rundown. Kayla Harrison versus Larissa Pacheco. It's going to be their third fight for the women's lightweight title. Stevie Ray, who beat Anthony Pettis back-to-back. Against Olivier Aubon Mercier, who's a UFC veteran. Sadabusi against Delano Taylor, who came in on short notice and shocked Rory McDonald last week. Um, at welterweight, Matus Scheffel against Antti D'Elia. Both of those guys brought the damage in the heavyweight playoffs. They're in the final. Brendan Loughnane, who I just said, against Bubba Jenkins, um, another UFC vet at featherweight, and then at light heavyweight, Rob Wilkinson against Omari Akhmedov at light heavyweight, like I said. Um, Final thoughts, because obviously we're going to get to the finals, and, you know, most likely Chris Shields may fight. You got to think that maybe Julia Budd, Ray, Clay Collard, those guys are on the undercard. But for the most part, the drama is now done. Now it's just to see who actually gets the job done. Does Kayla roll on? Do Who actually proves they're the best from the other divisions? So what are your thoughts? Yeah, not so 
I'll say it's a little underwhelming, right? I'm not dying to see this, and I, I wouldn't be, you know, totally brokenhearted if I missed it and just had to catch the highlights. However, Kayla Harrison versus Larissa Pacheco 3, that's that's interesting. Kayla's beating her twice, but all Larissa can have been doing at this point is getting better in general and learning her opponent more. So this collision has me curious. Does Larissa Pacheco have some new information, new data points that she can use to offer something different to Kayla? Um, or is Kayla still just the better fighter and, and we'll see that again uh, when they meet? As far as everything else goes, you know, I'm sure they're, they're going to be fine, fine fights, but I'm not jumping over the moon to, uh, to see anything. And so it is a bummer that the bigger names that we were looking forward to and expecting to get through to the end didn't. But, you know, that's tournament style, man. Like, that's what happens. The best don't always, well, I shouldn't say the best don't always make it through. The most popular, well-known ones don't always make it through. The best do make it through. They have to fight their way to get there. And then, and so if you make it to the end, it's because you beat you beat everybody else. Clarissa Shields, if, if she does fight, that's good. You know, it's good to see. But the energy behind that has kind of fizzled a little bit. Um, so I don't know how they get us excited about it again. And that's kind of it, man. You know, they're, I'm hoping that they get a new injection of, of, of talent here for the next season. And I know there's this pay-per-view concept lingering in the air. I don't think they're ready for that. I don't think they have enough material, if you will, to, to, to make that successful. So... I'm just really scratching my head here on how they can get themselves to to sign bigger, better names to make their next season more attractive. Well, remember, essentially, here's their play. And, and um, I'm going to wrap this up as quickly and easy as I can. Um, not all of it was their fault. There's things, obviously, to address. The pacing of the li- the live events um on the broadcast uh, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum that yeah they got to give you uh, something has to flip i actually thought saturday's broadcast for the main card wasn't too bad i like the group and the talent that they had there um not everything was their fault you know the guys some look like ray cooper was hurt look he he lost his fights roy mcdonald anthony pettis look someone's got to win someone's got to lose right so not all of that like oh well is quote unquote something the PFL did you know that's just how the cards were dealt like you said tournament style if i had to think they their their play has to be next year and this is me assuming you're going to have a lot of mid-tier talent like the Shane Burgos who they just signed hey like you're not on the title track in the UFC or something like that right now however you have a chance to get paid get consistent fights here in PFL, be a part of the tournament next season. All right, cool. Then, with the pay-per-view format, you do have a chance to try to get some of these floaters out there into one-offs. I'm talking about if Chris Cyborg is still a free agent, getting her into a deal or two, go, okay, fight Kayla Harrison. 
um, guys like Alistair Overeem, uh, Junior Dos Santos when he comes back from surgery, guys like guys and girls like that that you can maybe get some wiggle room. Okay, they're kind of like like Mike Perry. You know how he did the Triller thing, and now he does mm-hmm. bare knuckle and. We'll talk about it. it. This gamble has really paid off for him. Um, those floaters out there in the fight game and try to build a pay-per-view with those men and women who aren't necessarily like, hey, I'm not really... I don't want to be fighting such and such and such and such three times a year to maybe make a million. I've, I'm a vet. I've made money. I'd rather get the fights I want when I want. You know, that I feel like that... They have a chance to get those guys with the pay-per-view. Can they do it? Will it actually be something that fans are like, oh, I want to pay my 50 to $70 to watch this? Time will tell. I know what we're expecting, but time will tell. So th- th- that's my last thought on it is just that has to be it. But I think that in terms of expecting any drama out of the season, it- it's just kind of been a slow burn. And really, the only thing for the finals is just, okay, does Pacheco upset Kayla Harrison? Because I think everything else, you essentially have a lot of fighters that aren't heavily invested in fighting for a million dollars, which, you know, objectively is a big deal. But when there's already a lot of MMA to watch, may not feel like the biggest thing to make an impact. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I got a little excited there when you're talking about this, you know, potential pay-per-view dream PFL, you know, card with some some big names that are just floating around there. So okay, if they do something like that, I like it. I like it and hopefully they can they can get this going. It seems like they have money and connections to to be able to get some fighters. I'm up for that. That's good. That's about I'll leave it at that. <laughs> as long as Natalie's happy, I'm happy. Let's go with that. Okay. Um, let's talk about uh some bare knuckle. Um, Mike Perry, man, he look. If you haven't seen it, you could find highlights. Pretty much just got it and made it ugly with uh, Michael Venom Page. Michael Venom Page just did. You know, we know he's great karate background, great use of the distance. I think the fact that he did not have his kicks available just made it a much tougher fight than he thought it was gonna be. And Mike Perry gets the sudden death round. He wins the sudden death round. Sixth round decision victory over MVP in London. This is now 0-2 that MVP has had in the same building back-to-back. So uh, not the best night for him at home. But, uh, I mean, first off, do you have anything to say? Because I'll, I'll be honest, I think a lot of people might have just ridden Mike Perry off. Uh, I I didn't write him off. I I just thought he's just like he embodies the spirit of bare knuckle fighting uh, in a way that most others don't, especially MVP. So I was excited for the fight. I thought MVP would would show up, make it a good fight. But his you know it, it, he's already not much of a boxer, right? Because of that karate stance and. This style is even more different than regular boxing, so it just didn't quite work for him in a, in a way that made it, you know, classic MVP entertainment. But Mike Perry was there for it. What surprised me really was the fact that there's sudden death. 
Like, I it guess it just I've, sounds cool. Yeah, it sounds cool, man. I didn't know that they. I don't know if they've ever gotten there, gone there before in BKFC. I didn't know they had that stipulation, um, and so kind of hilarious, kind of awesome. And Mike Perry just, you know, smashes down on the gas pedal. His face is all jacked up at the end. MVP looks okay, but Perry, man, he's just again talking about savage and, and warrior like Luke Rockhold. Now, I'm not comparing them personality-wise, but in in the fight space, uh, they do share some similarities. And, and Mike Perry was there, man, just freaking sticking his finger up in the air and seeing which way the wind's blowing. You know, calling out Jake Paul. Um, you know, if if that fight comes to him, he'll freaking take the money, win or lose. Like, I mean, he's winning, but, he, uh, you know, Mike Perry just does not care. He wants to fight and he wants to get paid, and I'm for that. I'm all for it. No, fair enough. Uh, like I said, he, he's really figured out how to make it work with, uh, essentially, he's going everywhere that they have bags for him to cash. And as you know, I feel like that is... The number one priority is secure the bag. Yep. He has secured several bags, so you know what? Good for him. Um, some tea, Natalie. So about Tuesday, I believe it was, uh, it's announced or it's rumored Paige Van Zandt may be off the card. Later that day, it is confirmed. Later, Paige Van Zandt says, essentially, I did not pull out of the fight. I was pulled from the event I this was not my call and she drops a little bit of a nugget I was pulled you know I can't believe I was pulled a week from my fight Hmm. a week from the fight is Saturday you'll remember Austin Vanderford had to fight recently the belief is that Paige Van Sant Tuesday even though she wasn't posting about it should have already been in the UK. It's a big time difference. You're an yeah. athlete. You want to get there, acclimate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Rumors were came out that people say were dispelled, but the fact is, once it was out there, people ran with it. That ticket sales were not good for BKFC. And so the thinking is that because sales were bad, they decided to essentially cut their losses. Pull Paige Van Zandt from the card because it wasn't like they were going to get a miracle boost in sales and instead try to cash in and rebook her later this year where she can sell more for them and make them more money. They figured if you already bought tickets to the show, MVP is still fighting. He's your local guy. You're most likely not going to ask for a refund if Paige is st- pa- MVP is still on there, but Paige Van Zandt isn't. Right. And once again... When you talk about, she says she was not pulled. Okay. She says this happened a week out, which means she's most likely not quite in England yet, which that eliminates the idea that it could have been a late visa issue come Tuesday. Because why would you not be there by Tuesday? So that makes you think, okay. And if that wasn't enough, for fans who don't know, in London recently, and I believe it might still be ongoing, there's actually a tube strike. Essentially, the drivers of their trains are going on strike. Which means there's, I believe, I don't want to say that it's like there's zero trains running in the UK. However, there are significantly less. And 
what I've been told is getting around the city due to this is a even it's just a nightmare right now because so many people use it it's like imagine if half of the highways in California closed down oh, it's Lord. just oh my gosh how are we supposed to get everywhere well you still can it's just going to take you what do you mean it's just still going to take me more you know <laughs> so imagine like that and so the thinking was hey if you weren't buying tickets now you are feeling less inclined to undertake the pilgrimage to the arena knowing just how difficult it's going to be to get around and then not for nothing at the same time as these events are going you're expected to be prepping to watch your guy Anthony Joshua take on Alexander Usyk who by the way Joshua lost the decision <laughs> what are your thoughts yeah. Natalie? well yeah I like the uh, I like the gossip there and it, it you're laying out a picture that I think makes sense it seems like Ticket sales were low. They're looking at this citywide problem too. That's not going to help any matter, help the matter. And you know, Paige Van Zandt's going to do fine in the U.S. So it actually was a smart move for BKFC. And I guess they must have told Paige, you know, don't say anything. But then she, it look her, her reputation's on the line. And she's—I don't think she's ever pulled out of a fight. And so I think she took it very seriously and wasn't going to let anyone, you know, besmirch her name, so to speak. Uh, so I'm glad that she came out with the truth. And on the flip side, I still think it does make sense for BKFC to do it. They probably weren't happy to do it. They don't want to be in a position where they have to be scrambling to make tough decisions like that. But it was a heck of a night for them to be, or yeah, a heck of a day for them to be, you know, putting up a combat sports event. There's just so much going on as, you know, we talked about last week and, and plus this, uh, this, this strike thing doesn't help matter. So they sometimes, man, things just don't go your way in a really big way and you got to just roll with it. I think they rolled with it. You know, no one's happy about it, but it's better to do this and try and and recoup some money in the future than, than to just have a big major loss. So I'm okay with it. It's fine. Like people would have been talking more about Mike Perry MVP anyway. So they didn't miss out on a whole lot. And like, you know, Paige Van Zandt, I'm sure it sucks to have your fight canceled right when you're ready to, to peak, but it is what it is, man. It, it, she'll be fine. Um, you you are correct there. However, I will say that that's just a. Uh, I mean, I, I I want the details. I want everyone to say it straight. No, why did that happen? Why did she not fight? I, I need to hear it because, right now, it's just looking like shady business. And respectfully for Paige, she fulfilled her obligation. One more BKFC fight. I don't know where they're at with uh, renegotiating, but you have to imagine that they're trying to work out something if she can, if she wants to do this at the same time as doing her AEW pro wrestling. Because I believe she essentially put that on hold so she could fulfill this contract. Uh, Think about that. Yes. So remember, you're supposed to be, look, she was supposed to be done yesterday. This now adds another month and a half that she can't get back to it. Okay, yeah, well, that's that's upsetting for her, I'm sure. And 
While she was never the Sunday, she was definitely the cherry on top to the event if you bought a ticket. And I I don't want to understate that, like, I've been there. I think most fight fans, if you've been to multiple events, even if you've just been to one, is a possibility you've had it happen where you might have the might have, the main event may have stuck but the undercard that was like oh this is going to be a good night kind of left you like ah oh, mm, you know yeah. what i you know i was a lot more enthusiastic when i bought my ticket compared to the day i'm actually heading out right it's yeah. not unheard of so all of it is to say that it, um it didn't leave me feeling good i just need to hear what happened because if it is as it seems like we have a lot of circumstantial evidence that it could have been. It would really suck. And I'll just... Yeah. yeah. It would really suck. Anyway. Um, uh, no UFC, Bellator, PFL, but one championship is back in a big way. It is one on Amazon Prime Video. So it's going to be their debut on the streaming service. Um, different from the Bleacher Report app, different from airing via tape delay on TNT. Certainly, I think if you've been trying to keep up with one, most likely you just wait for the replays to come up on YouTube, on their channel. So this is going to be quite the experience. Uh, headlining the show, you got Demetrius Johnson looking to take on Adriano Moraes. Um, a rematch, you'll remember Moraes knocked out DJ last year. This fight is taking place at the one championship flyweight, so 135 pounds. So both of those guys nice and well hydrated going into this fight. Um, let me ask you this, because obviously DJ, kind of like Kamaru Usman, like all of those guys, they when they're on a roll, they kind of flirted with like, oh, is this when they're putting it together? Are they the greatest of all time? Right. And I know you have your way of, you know, how you address that and. It's different from how I do it and other people do it. Do you feel like Demetrius Johnson, like, does he get closer to the George Washington part of the Mount Rushmore with a victory <laughs> here over Marais? You know what I mean? Uh, that's tough to say, man. Uh, like, he's not uh, over because... there by Jefferson, who has no neck. George is <laughs> nice and well-defined, the chin, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, he's really popping. He's really popping. Lincoln looks pretty good, too. Lincoln's like... They got his beard really well, Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, this is a tough one because I personally don't think a lot about DJ anymore because I don't think about one that much. I'm mostly just, you know, because the UFC is so good at blasting you with everything MMA and monopolizing. um, They're just at the forefront of my MMA mind. And... But let's not forget who DJ was in the UFC and all that he's done. I don't think, honestly, I don't think his one career should even, like, I think his UFC career was enough to have him as, you know, in the GOAT status conversation. So one is just extra. And so I don't see it in any way diminishing, even if he, whether he wins or loses this fight. It doesn't diminish, you know, his place in in UFC and MMA history. And so, unless the win is some kind of spectacular finish, I think it's not going to add to that to that narrative. You know, I think that it's just 
I, I can appreciate that. It feels like extra innings. It feels like an extracurricular. Mm-hmm. The UFC chapter is always, uh, let's be honest, it's the be-all, end-all, right, I mm-hmm. think. And, you know, regardless of how big you think his star got or could have gone or should have been pushed, it is what it is. Nothing takes away from what he did there. I will say that I think people sleep on Marais. If you know, you know. And, you know, I'm not going to say if you don't know, now you know, but it is, Marais could hang with a bunch of these 35ers that we talked about earlier in the show with, you know, the Marabs and Cheetos and all that. He is talented, he is tough, he is well-rounded, he is experienced, um, he's had good fights, he's coming out of American Top Team, which is a great camp. Um, this is a significant feather for the hardcore fans for DJ. It's a big deal for Marais. I get it. Like you said, it's just in America when, like you said, the UFC is just so good at really running the table. Uh I think that if you really know your MMA, you know to respect what you're getting out of that one. I will say, look, if he looks good, anything could happen, right? Hey, one championship in Bellator, do a little talking. You know, hey, DJ, you know, somebody had to pull out of the Bantamweight Grand Prix. And then, oh, lo lo and behold, what do we have here, right? Anything could happen. But my point of that is that I I think that you should... Adrian Marais is like Leon Edwards. Stop sleeping on this guy. He freaking kicks butt. So it is a good contest for the card. In terms of one on Amazon, and we'll close out the show with this... What I will say is that, once again, I know you could watch, like, football on the service. I've tuned in. I know they have, you know, look, they got some solid programming on uh, Prime Video. Live sports and streaming, when it's not ESPN, still feels like a very foreign thing, right? It's like, it's like, okay, like, for example, when I go to Netflix, I know I'm not getting local news. I know I'm not getting, you know, I don't go to it for the studio shows, you know, like it's for your dramas and your comedies and, you know, for binging, right? Yeah. You don't go there thinking, oh, I'm going to sit down like I need to turn on my Netflix because the game is on. You don't think like that about Netflix. I don't know if enough people feel that way about Amazon Prime. (laughs) Now, it should be more accessible for a lot of fans than DAZN. Most people, myself included, like their two day shipping. Um, great opportunity for them if they could really blast it. I hope we see that between now and Friday. Because I do think that not enough noise is being made. I think they need to let fans know, check this out on Amazon. You already subscribed. You got to go for it. Because where we are right now, they're really flirting with Bellator territory where you feel like you don't know soon enough when they're on and that the events don't get enough attention. There's no UFC this week. There's no Bellator. There's no excuse why they can't get all chips in on getting attention. I agree. There's no, like, I I see no news of this anywhere. No ads. I don't see anything. And if you hadn't reminded me, I wouldn't, I would have missed it. And so it's like, (laughs) yeah, there's no excuse for not blasting this out. Just social media, internet, whatever you got to do. Maybe they will get to it this week, but like, 
Otherwise, then it feels like Amazon is just getting the rights to one so they can say in their meetings, their, you know, board meetings, oh, yes, we also have combat sports. And one took the deal because they wanted a reputable platform like Amazon to be able to say, yes, we're on Amazon Prime. But neither of them really care about each other. They're just using each other for their brands. That's what it feels like. I mean, I, people could wake up tomorrow with like, you know how they always send you emails? Oh, you left this in your cart, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Hey, you're subscribed to Prime Video. Did you know MMA One Championship is on? Yeah, I know. That might happen tomorrow morning and we'll, <laughs> it could be a new ball game. So we'll find out. But yeah, I think that that's going to be a real big test. I'm looking forward to it. Um we'll probably talk about it and see if that's indeed what happened. But Natalie, that's the end of our show. Do you have anything to add before we go to a little bit of a, you know, light vacation? I just enjoy the winding days of summer. (laughs) There we go. And guys, you know, obviously the following week will be UFC Paris. Cyril gone, tied to Ivasa, heavyweight action, high stakes, good stuff. We'll be back to talk all about it. Until then, have a good week. We'll be back next time.